0: Hey, before we get into the message uh, today, I, I just wanted to share with our, our church family uh, this update. We said we'd keep you informed. Uh, we found out last week that uh, the people that own the land that we were interested in have rejected our proposal. Um, so we, you know, at first I was like, for maybe a minute, honestly, I was like disappointed like, Okay. And then it was like a minute later, I was like just re-energized and very much encouraged because one of the things that hopefully we were all praying for was clarity, that God would make this very clear whether this was what he wanted for our church family or not. And it was pretty clear from the response we got back that that's probably not going to be the piece of property unless, you know, obviously something really big changes, but I wanted to say this at this moment. I, I first of all want to commend you all. You are a great group of people to be the pastor of. And the way you rallied around the prospects of that and you prayed about it and you were asking about it, I really felt like it galvanized our church uh, around something you know, specific that maybe we haven't had for a while. And that's a good thing every once in a while to have something to go after. And so I'm hoping that you won't stop, that you'll continue to pray and seek the Lord, because one of the things God has made very clear to me in this process that we're continuing to go through about seeking a, a place we can call our own one day is that, again, it's never about the buildings. It's never about a piece of property. Anything. It's always about seeking God. And, and that's what we were doing in that moment. We were seeking God, and I think that's what God continues to want us to do. He wants us to seek Him, and this is going to be a process. You know, as we've been in the book of Romans, one of the things that I've been reminded of too is that when God laid out a promise for Abraham and Sarah, the, the problem came whenever they couldn't wait for God to bring it about. If they would have just waited for God to bring it about... It would have been so awesome, but they couldn't wait. They were very impatient, and they tried to force something. They tried to make something happen, and that ended up not being a good thing. And so I just, again, am just sort of re-encouraged by the fact that God is saying, I got someplace out there. And when God shuts one door, the door that he eventually opens up is always better anyway. God's answer is always the best answer. And so we've just got to trust God in this moment that God's got something else out there, someplace else for us. And let's just learn to wait on the Lord, be patient, let him bring it about in his timing. And I think we'll be very, very encouraged by what God's going to do. So anyway, I wanted to let you know that uh, I, I'm just excited about what God is doing and what God is going to do. So anyway, and before I forget, since I s- all that they came in. Uh, We have newlyweds in the congregation, and I forgot to say to Elliot and Megan, it was good to see you guys. So why don't you guys stand and let us welcome you back as husband and wife? Yeah. Good to have you guys back from your... I'm glad you decided to come back from your honeymoon and join us. That was... It was really nice of you. All right. We're going to have a couple of announcements at the end. We certainly want to promote VBS again. But anyway, right now, Romans chapter 5. We enter into a new chapter today. And, and I just love this passage that we're, we're going to be in today. Because it's all about where do we stand with God. And, and God wants human beings to know where we stand with him. Whether we, you know, have Christ in our life and we are a child of his or not, he at least wants to be very clear about where we stand. Because obviously God, being the creator of relationships, knows more than even we know how important it is that in healthy relationships, it's important to know where you stand with each other. I mean, that's true in our own friendships and family relations, but it's important to know where do we stand with each other. And, and relationships are really hard to navigate whenever you never know what you're going to get with someone each day. Whether that's the way we are with others, the way they view us, or the way we view other people in our lives. For instance, you know, sometimes like, well, you know, I got this person today, but tomorrow I might get someone totally different. I don't know what I'm going to get each day. There's no real sort of like consistency. There's no like, where do I stand? Do I stand here? Do I stand there? We don't know those relationships are much more of a challenge, much more of a struggle. And so one of the things God wants people to know, especially his people, those of us who are children of God, he wants us to know where we stand and he wants us to be confident in our position with him. Now, let me say this. I want us to be able to differentiate starting today, because this is so important for Christians to grasp. I want us to start differentiating today as we travel through the rest of Romans, the difference between our position with God and our practice. Okay? Because many Christians never do that. And that's why their practice, even as a Christian, is so inconsistent and 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 greatly negatively affected because they almost spend the rest of their christian life trying to figure out even as a child of god where do i stand with god am am i good with god or am i not good with god where is my position with god and god wants us to understand that once we accept christ as our savior and and He has credited our account as righteousness because of Christ's righteousness, and He declares us righteous, not because of our self-righteousness, but because we're willing to stand in Christ's righteousness, and He forgives us of our sin, and He doesn't count our sin any longer, and He covers our sin, and all that is settled, then God wants us to know this is where you stand and begin to enjoy that position of what you have with me which hopefully will affect the practice of our Christian life, the outworking of it. And, and obviously, the motivation for growing as a Christian and maturing as a Christian and all that is to begin to see our practice more and more match our position. But like I said, the problem with many Christians is the reason their practice of being a Christian is forever negatively affected, is they've never nailed down what Paul's going to talk about today. They're not secure in their position with God. And they think that that's constantly changing. No, our practice will change. I mean, some days we'll be, you know, super Christian. Other days, maybe not so much. And what Paul wants to say is, That That's your practice. And hopefully your practice over time and your growth will become more consistent. But that never affects our position, see. Take it even human relationships just a step further. That's why I tell people, I say, look, when you were born into your family, there's no way you can go and now be unborn out of that family. You're part of that family once you are born into that family. Now, relationally speaking, fellowship, communion, that all's going to change. You know, sometimes you might be closer, sometimes not, but it doesn't affect your relationship in that family. Fellowship, yes, not relationship. You will always be the son and daughter of so-and-so, and you will be part of that family, and you will be viewed by your family members as part of that family. That doesn't change. And God wants us to understand that as well, so that we can begin to enjoy being a part of God's family. Now, one more thing. The the other thing that I don't want to do here today is to give someone a security in their relationship with God if you really shouldn't have security. In other words... If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've never nailed that down and personally trusted in Jesus as your Savior, as we've been talking about, then I don't want you to take what Paul's saying today and apply it personally to your life, because these things are only applicable for those who are Christians. If you're not a Christian, then you need to not feel secure, if you will, in where you stand with God. And hopefully that lack of security of where you stand with God will bring you to a place where finally you nail it. Then where Paul picks up in Romans 5 is, once you've nailed it, then you need to begin to enjoy it. That's why I want to first direct your attention to chapter 5 and verse 2. I want to start there this morning. And I want us to look at a phrase within verse 2 where Paul says, Into this grace in which we stand... The word stand is a significant word. It's a permanent, secure position we should be enjoying. That's what the word stand means. That's why God wants us to know where we stand. He wants us to know our position with him is secure. It is permanent. And he wants us to enjoy it because we should be standing in this position. And notice. Right before he talks about standing in this position, though, he says it's into this grace in which we stand. And we've already defined in the book of Romans and throughout the New Testament, this word grace means undeserved favor given freely. In other words, I can't earn it. I can't work for it. I never get to a place where I deserve to stand in this position with God. But God gives it to me as a gift. All I have to do is take it, seize it, receive it. Like any gift, and take it unto myself and say, God, I know I don't deserve your love, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to receive it. That's one of the most significant things even a Christian could do in their life, is to know. I never deserve the position I have with God. I never deserve the standing I have with God, but that also should never prevent me from enjoying being a child of God, enjoying my position, enjoying the security that I have in God, and beginning to truly enjoy and plumb the depths of my now relationship that I have with God Through Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul says, into this grace in which we stand. And when a Christian gets to that point, the score sheets will go out the window. It won't be like you're keeping score as in, okay, God, are we okay or are we not okay? See, if you and I understand grace... And we understand that we stand in this position before God securely by His grace. Then I don't have to worry about, God, am I making myself more appealing to you? Do you like me more now because of how I'm behaving? You know, do you love me more now and all that kind of stuff? Because God's saying, uh, Jeff, there's nothing you could ever do. I, I love you. <laughs> and, and I loved you. We're going to see. You. I loved you when you wanted nothing to do with me. So, so don't make that mistake, Paul is saying. Realize that the position that you and I enjoy isn't keeping score with God. It, it isn't trying to make myself good enough to appeal to God or to be appealing to God. All that goes out the window. I stand secure in this position because of his grace. And I begin to enjoy that because it's a permanent, secure position God wants me to enjoy. Now again, how do I know I'm in that position? Well, back up to verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith. Again, declared righteous is an act of God that is a past Completed once for all act of God where God declares us righteous before Him. Again, not because we are righteous, but because we believe what God has said. We take God at His word. God says, I'm a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that there is nothing humanly I can do to merit, to work for, to be good enough to enter into being declared righteous before God. But what I can do is I can fall upon the mercy of God and accept the provision that God has given to me, which is Jesus Christ and His righteousness and the work that He did On the cross. And I can accept God's forgiveness of my sin. And I can know that not based on me. But on what Christ has done. My sin can be forgiven. Covered. Not counted anymore against me. And that that my bank account if you will with God. Is filled with righteousness. Not my own righteousness. But with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's how a person is declared righteous. You see. And once that declarative act of God takes place, then God says, now begin to enjoy it. Know that you stand now in a position with me that will never change, ever, you see. Because it wasn't based on me getting to that place anyway. It's in grace. Now in this passage now, in Romans 5, What Paul now is going to start sharing with us is because of our standing with God, because we know God has declared us righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we have received as a gift of his grace. And now we stand in this permanent position with God and can begin to enjoy it. Paul's going to say, and here's some of the things you and I can enjoy. This is what we gain by understanding our position with God. So verse 1. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The word peace here in the Greek means to bind or join together what has been separated that's what it means, to bring together, to, to, to restoration, harmony, communion. In other words, Paul's saying, do you realize, Christian, as a child of God, now forever, once and for all, you have peace with God? You, don't, you never have to worry about, you know, being joined with God and being in communion and having a relationship with Him. No. That's a position you will eternally enjoy peace with god now he doesn't say the peace of god because you and i as christians can have peace with god and not be experiencing the peace of god but we certainly can never experience the peace of god if we don't have peace with god first that's where it starts and he wants us to know look you belong to god you have peace now with him You were separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus Christ, the mediator, brought us together and now we have peace with God and that position will not change. Are you enjoying the peace you have with God? Do you realize you belong? We live in a world today where people so desperately want to feel like they belong. And that's why even the Bible declares about God that even if someone is rejected, even if you feel like you don't belong to anything or anyone, as a Christian, you can always feel like you belong to God. You're His, and He loves being your Father and looking out for you and providing for you. You never have to feel like I don't belong anywhere or to anybody because that's what these words, peace with God, mean. You and I, as Christians, now belong to God and we've been joined together. Having been separated, enjoy that peace you have with God. But then Paul goes on. Notice he says, through whom, verse 2 again, we have also obtained access by faith. Not only because of our standing with God do we have peace with God, but now we have access to God, This word access is a bringing near into the presence of leading to the privilege of address. In other words, he's saying, do you realize that through Jesus again, not through anything we've done because of our position and because we have peace with God, that we have unlimited access to God, that Jesus Christ literally sort of takes us as his children by his hand and he brings us in to, to the Father, and he introduces us and says, Father, this is Jeff. Jeff, this is the Father. And he says, you can talk to my Father about anything, anytime, anywhere. You, you, just, just, you just start talking, he'll hear you. He'll, you have access to him. Wow. See, even though we take this for granted, especially the longer we're Christians, to think that I can talk to God and and God is accessible to me at all times. That's part of what I enjoy in this position that I have with God, having peace with Him. I always have access to God. Always. I mean, you and I... There's a lot of people in this world that we don't have access to. In fact, if I called certain people up and say, hey, can I have a minute of your time? They go, who are you? I don't even know you. And what are you doing bothering me? And yet the God of the universe, he's like, "Uh, Jeff, just call anytime, about anything, Anywhere. You always have access to God. Always. This is what he's saying here. We can address God at all times. Are we enjoying that? Are we, in the right way, taking advantage of it? And this is why it's so important for us, even as Christians, to sort of nail down our position. To know where we stand with God. Because God wants us to know where we stand with Him. So that there won't be any question anymore about God, are you and I okay? Now again, in our practice, we may be disobedient. That's certainly going to affect our fellowship with God. But that never affects our relationship with God. Any more than again, on a human level. I can't be unborn out of a family. Once I'm born into a family. That's why Jesus said, You must be born again. You must be born from above. But once we are born into God's family, baptized into the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit, that never changes. That's the position that I have. Am I secure in that? Because, folks, if you're not secure in your position with God, if you don't know where you and God stand from day to day, then I guarantee you it's going to affect your practice as a Christian for the rest of your life. Because instead of just concentrating on growing and concentrating on enjoying what we have as children of God, we're always going to be trying to figure out even, am I a child? Am I not? Am I good with you, God? Am I not? And that's why Paul wrote Romans chapter 5. Yeah. We stand in this grace, and because of that, we have peace with God, we have access to God. Then he goes on. Notice what he says in verse 2. Through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. The third thing. We have peace with God. That's because of our standing with God. We have access to God. And now, Paul says, we have confident hope. This is what we have because of our standing with God, our position. We have, we can live every day in confident hope. And notice, Paul says, I even rejoice in this hope. I'm expressing joy all the time in the hope that I have as a believer in Jesus Christ. And notice the first place that hope goes. In hope of God's glory. In other words, Paul's saying, let's not forget that that our hope, our confident hope and expectation is in what God's going to do in the future. That's what he means by the phrase God's glory. That one day God's going to be seen for who he really is. God's going to be worshipped for who he really is. People are going to see and acknowledge God finally one day. And he's going to be glorified as he should be glorified. And Paul says, we have hope in that, that this world and the way this world is going and the things that are happening in this world and all of that isn't going to last forever, my friends. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day he will be recognized. One day you and I, who have faith in him, will be vindicated for our faith. And we will be seen for who we really are. The children of God. Paul says, do you realize every day we have that hope? See, we have something to look forward to. That's the hope that we have as Christians. The best is yet to come. Always for a Christian, the best is yet to come. We've been talking about it through our 22-week series in Revelation that, by the way, can I say, we finally finished last Tuesday. But that's what the book was about. Reminding us about what our hope is and Paul's saying we possess that hope all the time. Do we wake up as Christians every day reminding ourselves of what God has promised us that we haven't even realized yet? But Paul doesn't leave the hope just with the future, now and now, by and by type thing. No, Paul says this confident hope and expectation that I possess as a believer because of my position with God even affects how I view life and the circumstances of life and the trials of life. Notice what he goes on to say, very important in verse 3. Not only this, in other words, not only do I have confident hope in the future, but I possess confident hope in the present when things are going bad. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. Paul's saying, when we approach things from the hope that God can give us because of our position and where we stand with God, then even when bad things happen, when trials and suffering comes, first of all, I realize it's never purposeless. There's always a purpose for it. And that God can use it in my life if I look at it from this perspective. And God can use it to build my faith, build my trust in Him, strengthen me, build character, so many things. But if I, as a Christian, don't enjoy the position that I have and don't live in this hope every day... Then those sufferings and trials and circumstances can come into my life. And instead of me realizing the, the good things that can come out of even a terrible experience, I can get very bitter against God. I can get angry. I can become discouraged. I can begin to live in despair. But the Bible says you don't have to if you understand your position. Your position hasn't changed. And you never then have to feel like when suffering or trial comes in, well, God must be must be punishing me for something I've done. And or he's getting me back for something. No. No. Realize, though, that he's allowed this because he wants to build something into your life. And he sees this as an opportunity. He never brought it about. He never was the cause of it. But God is so great that he can use the pain of our earthly existence and our present circumstances to bring us to a better place with him. A stronger place with him. A place where we grow even through the pain of life. And Paul says, we should be able to know that. Notice that word, that's very important. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings knowing That word means being fully aware. God wants me because my position with him is secure to always be fully aware that if suffering does come, it can produce some unbelievable things. And by the way, this word produces in the Greek language was a word that you gals will be able to resonate or have much more of a connection with than us guys. This was a word that was used for childbirth, which is actually a great illustration that in spite of the pain and all of that that you gals go through to produce a new life, wow, when that life comes, was that not a blessing? And so Paul's saying, Christians, we have to adopt that mindset, but the only way we can do it is when we know our position with God is secure, and we know where we stand with God, and we can wake up every day in hope. A hope that even if suffering or trial or tribulation comes, God's not getting me back for something, but he is going to use it if I'll let him by looking at it from a confident expectation of, okay, God, I know you you can do something with this as terrible as it is, as painful as it is, you can, you can use this in my life. So I'm just going to watch you work. Paul says, that's what we can do. But we've got to know our position with him is okay. Or else then we begin to start going and it affects our practice. We start thinking God's mad at us. We start thinking maybe I'm not saved. My position has now changed with God. And then it starts to affect our everyday outworking of our faith. We stop praying You know, what's the use of me trying to be a better Christian and stuff? Because look at what God allowed to come into my life. And we begin to get real defeated and real discouraged real quickly. Paul says, no, don't let that happen. You are standing in this grace. And because of that, you have peace with God. You have access to God and you have confident hope every day, both for what's going to happen in the future and what even is happening right now. And then Paul says this, verse 5. And this kind of hope never disappoints. He's saying, folks, don't let the certainty that you carry with you be something you're ashamed of. God wants us to be certain of our position with him. He wants us to be able to know we stand and where we stand with him. Don't be ashamed of that. That should never be something we're ashamed of. But here's what he goes on to say. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul says, are you really enjoying the love of God? You should be if your position is secure and you know where you stand. You should be enjoying peace with God, access to God, hope in God. And you should be really experiencing the love of God. And notice this. I want to break this down. He says, because the love of God for us in the Greek language, it means each and every one of us. In other words, Christian, don't sit out there and go, well, I know God loves so-and-so, but I'm having a hard time. No, He's declared he loves you just as much as he loves anybody else. And he says, this love has been poured out. The words in the Greek, a point of overflowing. Think of it this way. God's love for each of us is like a waterfall that he wants us to live under every day. That's what he wants his love to be. He's like, be like, Jeff. Are you waking up just walking under the waterfall of my love and just letting it flow over you every day? He says, that's what you should be enjoying every day. My love for you. Do we experience that kind of love? Do we really know how much God loves us? How much He adores us? How much He cares about us? How crazy He is for us? Well, there's a secret here, though. Notice he says, this love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And what I see in that is that's why some Christians really get to a place in their life where they begin to enjoy God's love for them rather than going one more day of hating themselves. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. Because that's a personal testimony of my own. That in my spiritual growth, I had to get to a place in my Christian life where I just enjoyed and accepted and received God's love for me. Rather than living one more day focused on hating myself. And the key, Paul says, is our relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is why he mentions him here. Because see, what Paul's saying by this is he's saying when a Christian is filled with the Spirit, when a Christian is yielded to the Spirit of God, when a Christian is surrendered to the Spirit and not quenching or grieving the Spirit, then we will sense this kind of love that God has for us. We will feel love. We will sense that love. We will live in that waterfall of God's love. But when we are pushing the Spirit away, And when we are not filled with the Spirit of God, when we're grieving Him in some way or quenching Him in some way, then that's going to affect how we feel about God's love. And that's why even Christians, you know, because we haven't nailed down our position, we can live one day going, okay, I I feel today like God really loves me. And the very next day we go, I don't know whether God loves me or not. You see, God never wants us to live that way. Because then what happens is we're spending all this time that we shouldn't be spending on trying to figure out where we stand with God rather than just enjoying the relationship with God. And let's look at this logically. Would that not be even true? Take away the spiritual. Co- Would that not be even true as human beings with each other? If I don't know where I stand with somebody in a relationship with them, Then I'm going to spend all this time day in and day out going, well, I I think they like me. I think they are we on the same page, whatever. and, And we spend all our time, all our energy, all our focus trying to figure out where we stand with somebody and never really being able to just hang out and enjoy each other. But you and I all hopefully have found at least a few relationships in our life where we know there's no question as to where we stand. And when we get together and we hang out with those kind of folks, we just pick up where we left off, even if we haven't seen them for years. And we just sort of fall back into it and just begin to enjoy the fellowship and enjoy the relationship and just accept the relationship that we have with each other. Paul's saying, that's what God wants us to do with him. Because he's poured out his love. There's no question of how much God loves us. In fact, notice beginning in verse 6 of chapter 5. He says, Christian, do you realize something? That God demonstrated his love. He made it very clear. And and he, he did this action. It wasn't just I'm going to tell you how much I love you. He's going to show us by action very clearly how much he loved us. And his love was demonstrated for us, Paul says, not when we and God were okay, but before we were okay. Notice what he says in verse 6. While we were still helpless or powerless, God demonstrated his love. Notice verse 8. While we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love. Verse 10, while we were enemies, God did all this for us. In other words, Paul over and over again is saying, oh, and when did God demonstrate his love for us? Whenever we became good enough, when we became appealing enough, when we did enough good works or, you know, enough things to make ourselves, you know, acceptable to God and to look good to God. No. The message of the Bible is God poured out his love for us and demonstrated it. When we were helpless, powerless, enemies, sinners. And Paul's using this then in a logical way to say, if God showed his love for you so much then, then here's Paul's argument. Verse 9. Much more than. In fact, notice he uses this phrase again in verse 10. How much more This was a tool that rabbis would use when they taught back in Paul's day. It was a way to sort of contrast something and and, then to use something as this is much greater. And so Paul's saying to every Christian, Christian, get your mind around this. Realize that you don't ever have to try to make God love you. Because first of all, he loved you before you even cared about him. So Paul says, then much more. Or how much more then is God going to love you now that you're one of his children? Now that you have peace with him. Now that you're no longer separated. And that leads us then to the next one, verse 9. Much more then, because we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from God's wrath. I never have to worry as a Christian about experiencing God's wrath. Because if I understand the gospel correctly, God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. The Bible says He became a curse for us. And he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when my position with God is secure and I know where I stand with God, then I never have to worry one day about ever experiencing God's wrath. I've been saved from that. I've been delivered from that. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself so you and I never would have to. How sad is it that many Christians again, because they don't know where they stand with God, somehow think that they're going to someday experience God's wrath. Do we deserve it? Oh, absolutely, we deserve God's wrath. But that goes back to the very beginning. Paul said, the reason I can stand where I stand is because of his grace. It was undeserved. It was a generous gift. He just gave it to me and said, If you're willing to receive it, there you go. And if you will simply receive my son, Jesus Christ, you'll never experience my wrath. And so remember what Paul's again saying here. He's logically laying it out. He says, if God loved me that much before I even cared, then why do I not think much more he's going to do for me after I become a child of his? You see, and then he says in verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more since we have been reconciled past tense, will we be saved by his life? Paul says, here's the next benefit, if you will, of our standing with God. Not only peace with God, access to God, hope in God, the love of God. We're saved from wrath. But now, Paul says, we're also saved by his life. Meaning this. That because of my union with Jesus Christ. Because I am now in Christ. And that's where I stand. That everything that is Christ is also mine. Everything that is Christ's. Is also mine, which is why then I can be restored. I can be healed. I can be made whole, which is what the word saved means. I can be saved by his life, not what I do. Which is why then Paul would say things like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's why Paul could say to the Philippians, I know that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How could he be so confident about that? How could he tell Philippian believers that? Because Paul said, I know your position. And because I know that, I know that God's going to save you by his life. There's never going to be a time where God's going to turn his back on you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to see this whole salvation thing through to the very end. No, he's going to see it through. You're going to be saved by his life. Paul told Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And I I am assured that he, that I have entrusted these things to, will be faithful to keep them until the very end. See, Paul wasn't cocky. He was just confident in what God had said and he trusted in God's word and he took God at his word. And because even after all that Paul had done in his previous life as Saul, when he finally nailed down that he received Christ as his savior, he knew that that was a position that he stood in. Not that he deserved. It was by God's grace. But now he was going to begin as Paul to enjoy that wonderful relationship he had with God. And instead of every day waking up going, God, where do you and I stand? I'm just going to enjoy the peace, the access, the hope, the love. I know I don't ever have to experience your wrath. And I know that your life will save me and see me through the end. That's why folks like Paul, Christians, it wouldn't matter what environment you drop them in their response and reaction to the whole thing would be pretty much the same. That's why Paul said, I've learned to be content. And if I have this, I'm good. If I don't have it, I'm good. That's why Paul could be in palaces and ministering to heads of state, or he could be in prison singing and praising the Lord and witnessing. It didn't matter what position, if you will, that God put Paul because Paul's position with God was good. And God wants us to get to that point where our position with God is secure, where we know where we stand with God so that then wherever God drops us, whatever God allows into our life, we can have a consistent, composed, Christ-like response to what is happening and where God has put me and all of that because I understand my position with God is secure. I stand with God every day. And He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He's never going to turn His back on me. I stand here. So God, I'm yours. Do with my life whatever you want. But Paul says, That kind of outlook, that kind of perspective only comes to Christians who know where they stand with God. Do you know where you stand with God today? And as a Christian, have you begun to truly enjoy the relationship? and the love that God has for you and all that God has for you more so than focusing on yourself more than hating yourself and beating yourself up because for many Christians that's where they live and that's why they can never enjoy truly being a child of God because they're not so much focused on God And their position with him, it's more about them and what they haven't done or what they have done. Again, God wants our practice to more and more match our position. But please understand what Paul's teaching here today. Our practice, our practice, whether it's good or bad, never affects our position with God. Once you accept Christ as your Savior, you and I stand in that secure, permanent position because we don't stand there on our own. We stand in the grace and in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Where do you stand today? Let's pray. God, I... I hope today that your heart of why you revealed and inspired this passage in Romans today, Lord, came through to these dear folks. Sometimes, Lord, I feel very inadequate at being able to talk about your word to others. And yet, God, I know that it's your Holy Spirit that ultimately is our teacher And even my helper. And God, I pray today that these dear folks not only sense your heart for them, but mine as well. I so want my church family and my brothers and sisters in Christ to begin to enjoy the relationship. Rather than always feeling like they've got to prove themselves which never ends well because we never could prove ourselves good enough for You. It's not about keeping score. It's about enjoying our position with You. And God, help us to take what Paul says here today and truly rest in it. That no matter what Your plan for our life is, no matter what road you take us down, no matter what experience you allow to come into our life, help us, Lord, to always approach it from a standpoint of, well, these things can change, and life will always bring about changes, but my standing with you, God, never changes. I'm secure with you. God, may we sing about your amazing grace that gives us this opportunity as we close today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand and sing about God's great, amazing grace.